All right, let's start over. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, what's he preaching? Good news. Part of his good news. Boom. Crash. Somebody is coming. Boom. Crunch. That's what it sounded like too, didn't it? Y'all better repent. Well, maybe I should go back to the, let's get this thing going again. All right? Preaching. Boom. The promised one, he's great. The, 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 the latch of his sandals, I'm not even worthy to untie. And he's coming and the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Repent. And it was working because what were people doing? They were coming out going, well, well, well what do we do? What do we do? What about us? What do we do? What about us? What do we do? Repent. Repent. And that's exactly what they were doing. It's a boom, crash. John preaches. That's sin. Stop. Don't do this. Stop. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is truly near. I think he got specific. We know that from stories we've already said, but... I mean, maybe, maybe he even went as far as to say, I don't care who you are, if you get the hots for, your, for somebody else's wife, especially your brother's wife, doesn't just make it okay by marrying her. You guys are going, wow, man, that was really specific. <laughs> well, it was. There was a leader at that time named Herod. He got the hots for his brother's wife. His brother's name was Philip. And tried to cover it up and make it okay by marrying her. Took his brother's wife. And the Bible tells us, but Herod the Tetrarch, who had been reproved by him for Herodias, his brother's wife, and for all the evil things that Herod had done, added this to them all, that he locked John in prison. John preached it. Herod didn't like it, and he said, you're going to jail. And Luke tells us that just added to the evil that Herod had done. And so ends the ministry of John. Now, we're going to come back to him later. Luke chapter 7. We're actually going to pick up this particular part of this story. He's going to play into something that happens later. But what Luke does next is he shifts, this back and forth shifts, and this is the, this is the tilting point, right? This is the tilting point where it shifts away from John one last time and is say, like leaning into Jesus again. And this is where Jesus' earthly ministry starts. Okay. I have this thing that I do. I don't do it on purpose. But when I start studying a book of the Bible, I start to really just get into it. And one of the things about Luke that's been happening to me, and I hope it's happening to you at least to some degree, I feel sometimes like I'm encountering Jesus for the first time when I'm reading these things. Like I'm learning who he is again. And so I was so excited about this. I couldn't hardly sleep last night. It might have been the coffee I had before I went to bed. I didn't have the decaf, but I, it might have been that. But I, I woke up this morning at 4 o'clock, and I lay there from 4 to 5 just laying in bed. I couldn't go back to sleep, and I'm just think, laying there thinking about this passage we're talking about. And, and one of my issues was I didn't have a, a solid application because I, I'm, I'm reading this, and I'm like, what's the application? I'm just laying there, Lord, what is it? What, what, what do you want me to say? I, I think he gave me something, by the way, so don't worry. But I... I hope that in the midst of whatever this is, I hope that you start to encounter Luke the same way. Luke's retelling of who Jesus is. And I know, I know that when I look around this room, I know that there are some of you that know a lot of things about who God is. 
I know some of you don't know a lot about who God is. I also know there's a lot of you in this room that have a lot of junk that's not true about who God is. That needs to be... Should I go back to the claw again? <laughs> right? And I think that one of the things that I hope we do, and, it's, and this is not just you, this is me as well. One of the things I hope that we do as a church is that as we encounter Jesus, that the junk gets demolished and the truth reigns about this Jesus. Now, the thing that's going to happen, there's two things I need to talk about before I get right into the, the, the depth of this passage, okay? So we're going we need to need to get a couple of ideas just front and center in your head because if you don't have these ideas front and center in your head, what happens is going to seem like, okay, that was kind of weird, but whatever. Unless you have these ideas in your head, okay? So let, let's get some ideas rooted up, grounded in our head. One of those ideas is what happens next because John, who's preaching repentance is going to baptize Jesus, repentance from sin. Was Jesus a sinner? No. Now, see, I know some of you, I don't think so, right? Bible stuff, right? Yeah. He was not. He, he lived in this life without sin. Here he was. We're going to find out later. He was 30 years old. Okay? And things, haven't, things don't change. Jesus made it to 30 years old and hadn't had sex with a woman. He was pure. Right? He lived righteously. Suffer, we're going to see. We're going to see as well. He's going to suffer temptation. And he, just like we, just like we encounter, yet without sin. My favorite time I ever told that to somebody brand new to church, I was telling somebody they'd never heard that before, and they were like, I, I, it was the reaction we should all have at that idea. I said, yeah, he was a guy. I mean, he was a guy, a physical man. He, he was a man, and he lived his whole life, did not sin. And this, <laughs> this guy looked at me and went, What? <laughs> How is that possible? I mean, that, that's what we should all be thinking when we think about that. And Jesus is going to make it. So, so there's these rallies. So then why did he get baptized? That's one little question. It's going to be a little one. There's some big answers to that, but I, there's a little answer I want to share today. And um, we're going to talk about that. The other one is, what is this idea of the, the Trinity? The word Trinity, right? What is that? What's that all about? Some of you are like, I've heard of that. Some of you are like, that's a character out of the Matrix. Okay, we're going to talk about it. Okay, let's talk about it. Now, Let's, have I prayed yet? Let's, maybe we should pray. Let's pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for Luke, this doctor, this physician. Lord, I thank you that by the power of your spirit, you put it upon his heart to record this historical event in all of its reality and all of its importance. God, I just thank you so much for that. Pray that you would open up our minds to hear the truth that is in this text today. In Christ's name, amen. Um, and if I get somebody to shut that door, unless it's open for a reason that I don't know about. Um, all right, so baptism of Jesus. So Jesus gets baptized. Now, Matthew, now all four gospel writers, there's very, very few things that all four gospel writers share. This is one of those things. All four of the writers of the gospels all share this event that he got baptized and what ha- more, more importantly, what happens afterwards. Matthew shares this in Matthew chapter 3. He says this. He said, John, John, now this is when Jesus went to get baptized, so Matthew adds some information that Luke doesn't share. He says, John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. Well, that makes sense. We met John, right, a little bit. We know that he's like, I'm not even worthy to undo the sandals, right? I'm not even worthy to undo the strap on his shoe. 
And he says, I, I should be baptized you. Do, you. do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so for now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. This is the closest we get to an explanation of why did Jesus get baptized to fulfill all righteousness. There's a lot of things that this could imply. I think one of them, I think the simplest answer is that th this is what he ought to do. But I, I'm telling you right now, I think that the main thing he was doing was he was identifying right at the beginning of his ministry, identifying with sinners. He was sinless, but he wanted to identify with sinners. We see that throughout the rest of his ministry, do we not? A willingness to identify with sinners. I think that's one of the things that plays into that. There's some other interesting ideas of what could be going on there, but I think the key element is he said, I'm going to endorse what John's been doing. I'm going to get baptized by him, and I want to do what? I want to say, I, guys, I'm in this with you. I'm in this with you. Identify with sinners. Now we need to talk about something else, though. This idea of the Trinity. Now understand that when I, what I'm getting ready to do next, and this is going to take me a couple minutes, and, and the reason why it's going to take me a couple minutes is because when I think about trying to explain the Trinity to you, I feel like it's kind of like, imagine two ants trying to explain television to each other. One of them trying to explain television, but they can only use words that ants would understand, and they all are words that have to do with types of dirt, Right? That's what it feels like when I go to... I'm going to try to explain something to you, and I don't really have any words to put to what this is. Okay? There's some illustrations people use for the Trinity. Some people have used the illustration of an egg. It's really not a good one, because the egg is separate. There's the shell, there's the, the, the white, there's the yolk. It's the, that's, no, that's, that's not a good illustration. There's a lot of illustrations people use to try to illustrate the Trinity. I'm telling you, they all break down eventually, because there's nothing like God. He is altogether unlike us. Okay? Now, the Trinity. There's hints of it in the Old Testament. I'm going to start with the very first verse. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, so just so we're on the same page, even Aristotle, who didn't believe in this God, knew there needed to be, I mean, well, and this is what we all do, right? Well, where did this come from? Well, where did this come from? Any theory that we come up with, you skip back to, well, where did that come from? What came from that? Well, where did that come from? Okay. Aristotle said, he called the old, he said, if it's kind of like dominoes. If you see a domino fall, what tipped that down? Something had to start that one falling, and you keep going back. There had to, been one, there had to be the first one. And Aristotle called that one the unmoved mover. There had to be, and what do we call this, this one who started all things? God. And the Bible starts off right at this base foundation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, you might be going, what does that have to do with the Trinity? Listen carefully. Let's say I got up here and I said, my, and I'm so glad you said this today, family, church family, right? My family is coming to church, okay? Now, in our language, in the English language, family is a singular word, even though it's talking about more than one person. It's a singular word. Um, is is a singular verb, okay? You'll, you'd go, man, I don't like this uh, rhetoric stuff, okay? <laughs> Stay with me. You'll feel it in a second. If you switch to plural, 
and you say families, you, what do you say? My families are coming to church. My families are coming to church today. All of, all of my families are coming to church today. I might sit up there, all my families are coming to church today. They're all going to be here, right? R is a plural verb. If you have a plural noun, you have a plural verb that goes with it. Okay? Now, I'm not an English teacher, I'm a math teacher, so if I'm off in a little bit of this. But here, here's, here's where you'll feel this difference. Now, some of you go, I don't see what's wrong with that. <laughs> is that what it is? I don't understand. My family's is coming to church, right? So you're like, that's how I talk. <laughs> it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's all right, no judgment here. But you, can, you, can you see, can you feel that? I was never good at knowing the rules of English, but I could always tell when something was off because it didn't sound right. You know, it, something, something sounds off with that, and I sound like a hick or something, you know? In, in the Hebrew, God, if something was plural in Hebrew, it it's, has an I-M at the end, not the same letters, but that's what it sounds like. Elo, and so you see, in the beginning, God, the word that is translated here, God, it looks to us singular, is plural, it's Elohim. It's plural. But the verb, and so some people go, well, then why didn't they put gods? There's a very real reason for this. Why didn't they put gods? Because the verb was singular. Now, for us, if you mix up a plural and a singular, it sounds like a hick. For them, it actually had meaning. There was something about the way, that was purposeful. Okay? This, there's a plurality to this God. So, like, Families, you're all one family, right? In, in the Hebrew language, I could, in, in the English, it doesn't make sense to do this, but I could say my, my, my family's is. I could pluralize that, but if I use a singular, then I'm saying it's one. There's a multitude in there. And so you see, right from the very first mention of God, there's this plurality, but one. You go down to verse 26, you even see it a little bit more clearly. What does God say? Is He's creating all things. He's talking. And then like you, when you talk to yourself, you're just crazy. God has relationship within who He is as God. Let us make a man in our image. You may have skimmed right over that. That's That's significant. There's a plurality to who God is, this God that created all things. This God, this God who said, butterflies. Right? This God who said, uh, galaxies. This God who then said, let us make man in our image, and then he from the dust of the ground creates the very first one out of the dust of the ground. That is our God. When you go to Genesis 11, this, it's still, this isn't just a fluke in Genesis chapter 1. You see it in Genesis chapter 11. With the Tower of Babel, God continues to have this communication with himself, which is interesting because all throughout that, all the, the humans are saying, let us do this and let us do this and let's build a, let's do this. And then God says, well, let us, uh, let's do this. And he goes in and he says, let's confuse their language. Let me give you one more from the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 6.4. This one is called the Shema. The, the Shema, the, that's the Hebrew word for hear. And for a Jew, this was an important statement. Hear, O Israel. So um, hear, O Israel, for the Lord our God. The Lord is 
one. Here, Shema. Lord. Notice the all caps. When you see that in your Bibles, that means it's that definite name of God, Jehovah. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, Jehovah, singular Jehovah, our God, Elohim, the Lord, Jehovah, is one. Now, that's interesting here. There's two different Hebrew words for one. Ikad and Yaqid. One of them means absolutely the number one. That's Yaqid. Another one has the idea of one in solidarity. So they would use this one of, they said there's one army, or this is one group of people. That's the word that is used here. The writers could have said the Lord is one singular number. What do they do? They say, instead of saying yakid, they say ikad, which means it's, it's the same word that they would have used to describe one army. There's a plurality implied. In the New Testament, it starts to become apparent some more details about who this God is. We get these three distinct persons start to become mentioned a little bit more clearly at all times. A father, a son, and the spirit. In Acts chapter 5, and I'm just going to give you a few. I, I didn't want to overload you with texts about this, but there are an abundant number of them. In Acts chapter 5, Peter uh, equates lying to the Holy Spirit with lying to God. So the Spirit, and this is just one example, the Spirit is God. Okay? Now, I'm going to pause for a second because I see some of you looking like... Uh, understand, we're not like this, are we? This is different. Do you remember what I said earlier? This is kind of like an ant trying to explain to another ant what television is, but I can only use words for different types of dirt. It comes up short, but there's hints. And so the, 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 the God's words, they have hints. Like the, the Spirit is referred to as God. So we have the Spirit is the Lord. Another great one, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul is writing, he says, but when... Um, one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now, already, you can see a little bit of a hint of there, the Lord, the Spirit. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. What's interesting about this is this was referring to an Old Testament event. When Moses would go in, uh, Exodus chapter 34, verses 34 and 35, Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him. He would remove the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the people of Israel what he was commanded, the people of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face was shining. And Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went in to speak with him, talking about the Lord Jehovah. And so Paul has done what? He's taken this Old Testament illustration and he's saying this is what's going on when you're interacting with the Spirit. Just like Moses going in right into the presence of the Lord. The Son. John 1, 1. You've probably heard this one. In the beginning was the Word. We know very clearly it's talking about Jesus himself. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. And so you see it again. 
with and was. You can't be with and was at the same time, can you? But God can. He's one God, three persons. The Son was with the Father. He was the Father. In John 1, 3, we get this. All things were made by Him. All things were made through Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. So there's made stuff and there's things that aren't made. All the made stuff was made by who? The Word. Who's the Word? Right? The Lord or Jesus. So the, the acting person in the Trinity, in the creation, when they're like, let us do this, we get a glimpse of maybe, and I tell you right now, this is where my, I feel like an ant trying to describe a television using words that talk about dirt, trying to figure this out. But like, so Jesus was the one doing it, but it was God doing it. You see what I'm saying? Now, I hope, I hope that at this point, one thing I hope at this point is you start to get the grandeur of who this Jesus is. Let me give you one more that talks about him in this way. Actually, I have two more. Uh, Colossians, for by him, this is talking about Jesus, by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or, or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. That's not possible unless Jesus is as well God. He's before all things, and in him, all things hold together. How come you are able to sit here and not dissolve into nothingness? What's holding you? Yeah, what's holding you together? In him, all things hold together. Jesus is, right? It's him. All things are holding together. He is the, the, the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in everything he might be preeminent. That means before everything else. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. I got one. I got to give you one more. John. Jesus had been talking to the Jews. And as would happen quite often when Jesus would start talking, many of the Jews, because he was like that, he was going in, he was demolishing things that they thought they knew. And so they said some crazy things back to him. Here's an example. The Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Hey, some of you might be thinking that about me every once in a while. Matt, you, you got a evil spirit going through you, my friend. You're talking crazy talk. Yes, I don't mind that. Why did they say it this time? He had been talking about Abraham. And they said, Abraham died as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. That's what he'd been telling them. If anybody tastes my word, Right? If anybody keeps my word, they will never taste death. That's a pretty big thing. I mean, can you imagine if I got up here and started saying things like that? If, if you keep my word, you will never taste death. You'd be like, Matt, you're crazy. That's the kind of stuff Jesus was saying. And what did they say? You're crazy. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I glorify, my, glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say to you that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. And then he says this, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it 
Now, this is Jesus. He, I mentioned a minute ago, he was 30 years old when he started his ministry, right? So he's just early 30s right here. He says this. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. And the Jews said to him, You are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was... Ooh, now, see, some of you know this. This is one of the, the terms that God used in the Old Testament to identify himself. When it, Moses said, What's your name that I can tell people? Like, you're telling me to, to tell them some stuff. What's your name? And God says, Tell them that my name is I Am. What does Jesus do right here? Before Abraham was, I am. And just so that you know that those people in that day knew exactly what he was implying, look what they did next. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. It wasn't the time yet. His time was coming, but this wasn't it. Trinity. Beyond my ability to fully describe to you what this is, but I want you to think of the grandeur of it. The same one who spoke everything into existence that is holding all things together. There was, there, there's a time in history. In fact, the time we're going to talk about in just a moment is a very specific moment in true history that really happened. Where that God who had taken on flesh, and we've been talking about this, that same God who had taken on flesh, flesh, went to this forerunner and said, would you baptize me? Back to Luke. Now, hold on to it. Let's, let's, let's think big. I want you to think in your mind this term, the triune God. This, this all existent for all time, all knowing, all powerful God. Now, when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus, and you hear that, you should go, that's somehow the triune God, the person of the Son, is in bodily form, right? Fully God, fully man. And he's walking around with people, right? When Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, so he gets baptized and he's, he's praying. We're going to actually see that a lot in Luke, Jesus praying. One of my commentators says this. He says, The baptism itself is underplayed since Luke makes clear that the important event followed the actual baptism. So this isn't the important part. We're getting to it. It's getting ready to happen. And when all the people were baptized, when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened. Now, every time Luke or Matthew uses this word open, it's always in reference to like open the eyes of the blind or open the ears or uh, you know, of the deaf. It, it, it's, it's always in connection. In fact, throughout... The Bible, this, this heavens being opened idea is, a, is an opened up where God is going to reveal something important. And here it happens. The heavens were opened. So Jesus is praying. The heavens are opened. And the Holy Spirit descends, descended on him in bodily form. Luke adds this, so you don't think this is just some vision that happened. This, it's happened. And we know the Spirit was already with Christ. It's been talked about in Luke already, so it's not like he just now got him. Okay, so that's, that's not what's happening. But it's a, 
this visual. Have you, ever had, have you ever had a time where something happened and you didn't realize the significance until later? I think that's why this is in all the gospel accounts. They came, later, these gospel writers went, when they started realizing, understanding, they, they, they could have from the Old Testament gotten some of those ideas, but as, the, as God has, had, has unfolded himself to them, they, they realized that God is three persons, one God, and then you start going, I can just imagine those gospel writers going, wait a minute, so that, but, but the fuck, and he, you think about the ones that were able to be there to see this. In this moment, the Father is going to speak. The Spirit, not an actual dove, but like, I mean, that's what the people that write, they're like, it was kind of like, I mean, just, you know how it's like a dove? Remember the ants trying to use words? Like a, like a, like a, it was like a dove. I imagine them telling that to people, a dove landed on Jesus? What? I don't understand what's happening. No, it was like, it wasn't an actual dove. It was like a dove. And, it, and they knew as the Spirit descended and Christ is there and the, the Father speaks and the people that got to see this moment got to see the, the single most significant endorsement in history. Think about that. You are my beloved son. It's a messianic feel to it. Psalm chapter 2 verse 7 talks about this. You are my beloved son. They knew this is Messiah type words. With you I am well pleased. That comes from Isaiah 42, 1, the very beginning of the suffering servant passages of Isaiah. We, we get it right there. And God says, this, this. You ever, you ever had somebody do that to you before? Like you're, you're maybe, maybe your life is crap. <laughs> you're like, man, what's the thing? I'm and, and somebody goes, I got the thing. This is the thing. Do you understand that we have a recorded historical event where it was God represented in all three persons of the Trinity saying this? Remember earlier when I said I was laying in bed this morning from 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock going, just, I was just laying there going, what's the application? And it hit me, 459. It's, this is, this, this is everything. Today isn't the type of application where I say, let's talk about this topic, this topic, this, this. No, no, no. This is the endorsement. And if you're here today and you're sitting here going, I, I don't know what the thing, what, what's the thing that I could, should get behind? Jesus. Well, but I'm struggling with this whole concept of marriage and family. Jesus talks about that stuff. And his followers that knew him write about that stuff. And you should listen to what he says. Because he's the only one that God said, this is my son. And with him I am pleased. Well, I've been trying to figure out what to do about schooling. Jesus is the answer to that too. But what about human relationship? I mean, I'm, I'm really trying to work out, like, how to deal. I mean, there's some people in the world, and I don't like a lot of them. And 
so I'm having trouble like figuring out how to navigate through and and you know what about like those those like societal like questions and what about this topic what about these political things and it's all in there And the endorsement isn't like, it's not like we get a bunch of famous, you know, people in the back, this book changed my life. It's not like you're going to find in the back, Matt Harmless, you know, author, Matt Harmless, author, speaker, Matt Harmless, this is the book that has changed my life. I mean, yeah, I could do that, but who cares? Right in the middle of it, God the Father said, this is the one, this is my son, with him I am well pleased. What about, what about like life? Heaven and hell and all. I'll tell you right now, he talks about hell more than anybody else in the whole Bible does. He's, he's the one. This is the thing. Whatever you've been putting, whatever basket you've been putting your eggs in is the wrong basket if it's not Jesus. I, I think if there's nothing else we can learn from 2020, things change. I've got to be honest, I don't think they're done changing. <laughs> and frankly, I don't even care which way it, it changes at this m- moment, because I tell you what, if you go, but I, I just need to know what's the thing to get behind. It's Jesus. His teachings, his ways, it's him. Wherever you've been in your life, whatever, whatever stu- stupidity you've aligned yourself with, today might be the day that you just go, I- I'm done with all of it. I'm putting everything right here from this point forward. Jesus. If you were waiting for any directional input, And you're not looking to what he has to say. And you're looking in the wrong place. So what's the application? It's, it's everything. Even now, John the Baptist says, the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Your life is fleeting. And some of you have been wasting your time with everything else that you put all kinds of effort into. And you know it. You know it, don't you? There's some stuff you put a lot of effort into. You've been working real hard to make it happen, Captain. And fortunately, some of you have had that come crumbling down. I think so that you can see that's a waste. Because the God of the universe, the triune God, wants you to see that there's one hope and he endorsed it 2,000 years ago and it was the person of Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. We're going to partake in something. You probably saw this sitting up here. You know why Christians do this? There's a few reasons. 
you know, one of the one of the reasons why is simply because God said do it. <laughs> That's the biggest reason for me. He said, do this in remembrance of me. Until I come back, keep doing this. You ever wonder why? Why would we keep doing this? You ever wonder about that? Why would why why this? I'm not going to answer that question. I'm just I think you should think about it. Why this? I think if you venture into an answer to that question, one of the things that you'll start to see is that it's about remembering this endorsement, but then remembering to the end. Now, like I told you earlier, I'm encountering Luke. I feel like I'm encountering Luke for the first time, so I'm, I'm, I have to kind of snap back out of Luke and remember, oh yeah, I know what happens at the end. This Jesus that's endorsed here, he lives this righteous life. He gets to the end of his life, even though he's been perfect, loving, righteous, absolutely just and the world goes we're going to kill you we're going to kill you and they do that was part of his plan from the very beginning and in that moment he takes upon himself the sins of the world all kinds of people and so when he says things like he did earlier he says you keep my word he was going to back that up with action. You keep my word, you will never taste death. Not that way. Your body might physically die, but death is going to be defeated. So we as Christians, we need to not forget that. Because we're idiots. <laughs> and we forget it. And we start thinking, no, I got this. I know Jesus said that, but this, this other thing seems really, I'm, in fact, I've been praying about it. And I'm, I, I feel like this is exactly what I'm supposed to do. When you know in your heart Jesus says to do something completely different. There's some things like that. You go, well, what about what? No, let's just stick with the things that we know. There's some things that you're sitting here right now and you know God said don't. You thought you were smarter than he was. This triune God that holds you together by the power of his spirit. You think you're smarter than he is. And so we forget because we're idiots. And so what do we do as Christians? I think Jesus knew. You need to remember. You need to remember. You need to take who I am and put it in you. This is my body. Here, let me grab this real quick before I have you guys come up. If I can get it up here. What does Jesus say? When he takes that bread. Picks it. Yeah, it's his body, right? And what, what does he do? This is my body, which is what? Broken for you. Can you imagine him doing that with his disciples that first time? I think those disciples probably always pictured that in their head the rest of the time. And maybe remembered the cross. This is my body, which is broken for you. And they think about that crucified Christ, and they partake of that. Do this remembrance of me. What does he say about this? This is the new covenant in my blood, right? That has been poured out. Imagine those disciples thinking about Jesus doing that. Poured out for you. Do this in remembrance. 
remembrance of me. Don't forget. Don't forget. Because we're idiots and we do. But don't. Remember. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and I'm going to guide you through this in just a moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I'm going, to, I'm going to go past the part I normally read to verse 27. Paul the Apostle writes, he's taught, he describes how to do this, and then afterwards he says these words. He says, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. And that's how serious this is. I don't want you to sit here and say, well, I know that if you've been here long enough, you know we're, none of us are worthy. Not true. In Christ, you are. In Christ, you are. There's some things you could notice to see if you're in Christ or not. One of those things is, are you living in obedience? So, as we... And what, the way we, we've been doing this is I've been, instead of having the guys pass it out, I've been taking the lids off, and we sit them up here, and then I'm just having everybody, when they're ready, filter down the front, grab a cup. It's a double cup, right? There's a cup you know, on the bottom. There's a cup of the bread. Grabbing that double cup, going around back to your seat and just waiting. But when you come up here, if, you're, if you know you've been living in sin, I would encourage you not to come up here and partake of this in an unworthy manner. The triune God who's holding you together with the thought of his head has had these words placed in there. And if you're not living in repentance, not perfection, but repentance, that's a that's, a, that's one of the biggest clues that you're, you're sitting here and you, you're not in Christ. You don't believe it yet. You heard the endorsement, but you still think you're smarter. If you're living in sin, that's exactly what's happening. I would encourage you as you do this and it, you know, you go, I'm, I'm not going to do it. I would encourage you from your seat, repent today. Let today be that day that you say, repent. Lord, help me to repent. I, I, I personally think that's the best way to pray it. I repent. Help me to repent. Because I want to repent. So, but I, Lord, help me to repent. But the same spirit, as Paul says in other places, the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead, the same spirit that raised him up from the dead will now work in you. That's, you have access to that for repentance. But if you're not doing what it says, understand the real problem. It's not... I'm just really weak in my faith. No, 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 no. You just don't believe it yet. You think you know better. That's the real problem. Jesus said, yeah, who needs a lot of You can have faith like a mustard seed. You ever seen a mustard seed? It's not about that. But if you believe, you say, okay, yeah, I believe. I'm going to do it because I believe you. I believe you more than I believe me. I say I think I should do this. You say I should do that. God, I'm trusting you on this one and the next one and the rest of them. Identify it for what it is. I don't know if I have it up there. John 
John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus coming toward him, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And then John bore witness to this one true historic event that stands out in the middle of history as the endorsement. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on him. I myself did not know him. That's, I think that's John's way of saying I'm an idiot. <laughs> but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, when you see this, you'll know it. I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to encourage you today, right? Because this is what it says. It says, let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So examine yourself. Take a few minutes if you need to. If you're just not sure, there's nothing wrong with saying I'm not, I, I'm not today. I'd rather, if you're, if you're confused and you don't know, I'd rather you come up to me afterwards and say, man, I, I don't know. Right? I'm not sure. We can walk through that together. But Paul says, let a person examine himself, but then after you've done that, then eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Let's pray. And then I'm going to have you guys come through here, grab, go back to your seat, and then just hold on to that until I'm ready to lead you through the rest. Heavenly Father, I just want to pray now that you bless this bread and bless this cup. Lord, we know that it's just bread. We know that it's just grape juice. But God, we know that it signifies to us so much more. Lord, many of us have forgotten through the week, through the month. We forgot. Forgot the triune God and all that you've done. We started to veer away. Lord, you brought us back. And here we are. Ask that you bless this time that we fellowship together, partaking in this communion. In Christ's name, amen.